Hey there, listeners. Welcome to This Humana Life, a podcast for all Humana associates. We have amazing stories to tell and learning experiences to offer. We also believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insights into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible with the support of the Women's Network Resource Group and by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. I'm Brittany LaMere. And this podcast is produced by Melissa Nichols. We're looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Join the conversation in our buzz group by visiting go forward slash THL. Also, make sure to text the acronym THL to 239-355 to have new episodes sent straight to your mobile Thursday morning. Beth Bierbauer, thank you for joining us on this Humana Life podcast. In the audio booth, we have Brittany LaMare, Tara DeLucia, Julie Kling, and myself, Carmen Pantoja Evans. And we are excited and thrilled to speak about the fantastic book that we've been reading, Busy Bee, Queen Bee, Stop the Busy Work and Start Leading the Hive. Thank you for sharing the stories and some uh, tidbits of wisdom. You're welcome. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for asking me. Well, we're going to start off with a few questions, and one that immediately comes to mind for me is, what brought you to prepare this book, to create this book? What was your vision? Yeah, that's a great question. What I had seen over the years is, I think many of you know, I've really spent a lot of time working with individuals around talent development, helping them determine how to get to the next step. And what I was seeing, um, and in particular from women, was that they were often very cautious or even unwilling to ask for more additional responsibilities or to go for that promotion, not because they didn't think they were qualified, but because they were really worried that they didn't think that they could balance work life and and their home life and balance the two of those. So... I started really speaking with individuals, men and women alike, and helping them understand that, look, one of the ways that you know you can have it all, if you will, is to make choices about what you're going to stop doing. And it, it really concerned me so much that I just saw this pattern over and over and over. And as I would talk to people, they'd say, you really need to write this down, that I said, you know what, I really do need to put this in, in some type of format because I was just really seeing people were stepping back when they should really be stepping forward into their careers. Um, I do say in the book, and and this is true, I've had people say, oh, I don't want to be you. And there's this assumption that I work 24-7 and I have no life and I don't spend any time with my family. And that just couldn't be further from the truth. And I really wanted to be able to help people who really wanted to do more in their career understand that they could actually have a really fulfilling career and also a really fulfilling personal life, and just give them a framework for how they can how they can make the right choices to achieve that. That statement, I I wouldn't want to be you. I think that is so harsh. But where do you think that came from when when people would say that to you? Like, what was really under that that statement? And I, I'm sure they meant no harm. But what do you think was at the base of that? 
I think people see the workflow, particularly in our organization. We have lots and lots of meetings. We send lots of lots of emails. Um, people work at night. People work. People work weekends. And um, I don't. And so, what I think is, people felt like, oh, this is really on twenty four seven. And what they were missing is that I don't think is work. And, and and personal life. I think there's a blending here. And so what they weren't seeing was that, yes, I was taking the time out to make sure that I spent time with my family. I did have uh, down, downtime. Um, and, and I think that it was just a misconception that if somebody saw some, something coming out at 8, 8 o'clock at night, for example, an email from me is like, oh, my gosh, has she been working since 7 o'clock this morning? And maybe what they failed to miss was actually – I stopped work at five o'clock so I could go to the hockey game with my with my husband, and we were in that that seventeen minute break in between periods, and I was just doing a few emails to stay on top of things. So, you know, they they I don't think people saw the whole picture, and um, I think that as a result, some people really had this notion that oh my gosh, if I if I look to take on more responsibility, I'll never see my husband, I'll never see my partner, I'll never see my kids, I'll never see my parents, I'll never see my dog. Um, and I think it was just lack of true awareness that you know there was an opportunity to really balance if you make the right decisions. Yeah, uh, Beth, we were so inspired by the fact that you read this book that uh, a group of women started a book club just to to be able to read your book and, and to talk about what our experience was. And um, you know, we've, we had a very active conversation. We were really excited about all of the great gems that you shared in the book. Uh, one of the things that, that you shared that I'm curious about is um, you put the, the work or the effort or activities into a, a handful of buckets, things that you want to keep, things that you want to outsource, things that should be automated or stopped, or things that should um, you, you could decrease. Tell us a little bit about, um, about that, those um, kind of solutions to an overbooked schedule. Sure. Um, and this is one of the examples I have in the book as well. Um, I'm a caregiver. I've been a caregiver to my mother who has since passed. I have a sister with special needs and I'm a caregiver also to my son-in-law who will be 90. And when um, I first discovered that my mother was um, demonstrating signs of dementia and she wasn't paying her bills, um, I really said, Mom, you know, we really ought to think about auto deductions and things like that. And she was really, really resistant. And one Sunday, I was um, trying to get all of her bills paid. Now, my mother lived three and a half hours away from me. I was trying to get all of her bills paid, and yet I had to also get in the car and drive to Louisville and prepare for a big presentation the next day. And that experience literally brought me to tears because I was saying, I, I just, I can't, I just can't do, do all this. And at that point in time, I said, you know what? I'm her power of attorney. I'm going to go on. I'm going to put everything on auto deduction. And my mother's reasoning at the time was, oh, I like to go to the bank. I like to get out and see people. And I said, I will find another way when I go to see her every other weekend to get to get her out. But that was an example of, you know, I I really felt compelled. Yes, I wanted to take care of my mother. Yes, I wanted to do the right by her. But I knew pretty quickly I was not going to be able to be of use for her 
if I was so overburdened by this, this paperwork or if I was fretting that the electricity was going to be shut off because I'd been traveling for two weeks and didn't get home to be able to pay that pay that bill. So that's an example of, of where I really took a stand very quickly in automating. And it, it was quite simple because you know, certainly most of what we all do in our in our personal life. Um, there's a lot of a lot of um, things around stopping that are just really, really important that you have to say no to. Um, recently, a gentleman that I've known for a really, really long time, we had a cup of coffee, and he said, "I want you to be on my board." And I said, "Jeremy, I don't, I don't think I can do that." And he really pushed hard, and he followed up with an email, and I said, "I really appreciate that you want me to be on the board of your charity." But it is just not something that I have time for. I think what you're doing is really meaningful work, but it just is something I don't have time for. So those are hard decisions, especially when you have to say no to somebody you care about, family, friends, somebody you've known a long time. But it's really important that you do that. And one of the things I also share in the book is you sort of have to practice some of your reactions because I am a person, if I don't have a planned response to those things that I've sort of practiced in my head, I can often get sucked in, and um, had I not had the strength to say no to this gentleman, I would have been sucked into a great organization, but something I just really didn't have didn't have time to. So, what I really spend a lot of time in my life doing is making sure that I'm really super organized, and and I when I get a task or get an activity or something's recurring, it's okay, can I put this on auto-deduction? Is there somebody else that can that can handle this? Is there something that I can give to the person that, that cleans my, my home to do, as, as an example? Or is there something that I can maybe ask my spouse to do? Or if it's for my um, sister that I care for, could I ask my other sister to help? So I really think very thoroughly, do I have to do this? I think that's really important. Do I have to be the one to do it? Can somebody else do it? Or is this just something that... I just cannot take on right now. I just need to say a firm, firm no and hold to to it. So that makes me think about something I, I just experienced recently in regards to my job as well. So understanding what what tasks are something that I and I alone should, co- should complete versus what I can start to delegate to some of my direct reports. Um, and we were asked to make a list of all the things that we absolutely could not delegate um, from that business perspective. And I had assumed the list would be super long, but it turns out there's only a few really key HR um, type tasks that could not be delegated. And it was such an eye opener um, and it correlated nicely with like what you're saying right now, like really looking at what can be outsourced, what can be delegated and what is critical or really important that you hold on to. So I, I appreciate that. That's really a great, a great thought. And somebody asked me just earlier in the week, said, well, what if your manager comes to you and says, I want you to do this and I want you to do this? I said, listen, you don't come out with a no, but what you say is I'm working on these three major projects and now you want me to do a fourth. What's the priority? And if you lay that out, that allows your manager the opportunity when they see what you're working on to help you prioritize and get you out of the business of saying no to your manager, which may not be taken well by your manager, right? And also makes you feel bad, like, oh, gosh, I'm not, I'm not doing enough. But when you lay out what you're doing, most managers are going to take a look and say, wow, you're right. Let's prioritize this, this, this project first. So there's a way to be able to respond when you're presented with that. And I applaud you and your team for making that priority list because if more people would do that, I think we'd see within our organizations, um, there's probably some things we can stop doing, period. Absolutely. 
And I think what was interesting in your book, Beth, was that it wasn't always uh, in the work world, the office world, the corporate world. What was so cool about reading was that it was it helped every person, male and female, whether you have children or you don't have children, whether you work outside the home or not, or if your children are babies, all the way to grown. And that was what I think from beginning to end that you just gave us a step-by-step on things to really take a focus on and really think about and consider. So I really like the way you just helped uh, no matter what time, what season you're in, there was a tidbit. It was fantastic. Thanks. I, I, I have a lot of experience at not doing things right. <laughs> well, and I feel this would be a really nice segue into the return on meaning. This is one of the main parts of the book I full on connected with. Can, can you share how you came up with this idea or how you decided to start using it? Because I, I found it fantastic. Well, you know, one of the um, premises of my book is we have these great tools and structure and framework we use at work. And, you know, so how do we, when I thought about how I was able to get a hold of things in my personal life, I said, I really have applied a lot of these tools. And and as I was thinking about um, the concept of return, you know, we always think about return on investment or return on invested capital. And, And I said, Gosh, well, you know, as I've been making these decisions, what I've really been looking at is, am I getting a meaningful return to me? Is it is it really meaningful? Is it going to make a difference in in my in my life? And so that's how I came up with the, with the concept because I realized that when I was making choices, I was really saying, is it does it really really matter to me? Is it is it really bringing me bringing me joy? To use a Marie Kondo uh, term, is it something that really adds to my happiness or to the happiness of my my family or my or my loved ones. So I did coin that that phrase, and I do like it because I think that people can under uh, can understand that that there are a lot of things we do, and there are a lot of things that have to get done, but they don't have to get done by you because they're not that 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 meaningful. One of you shared in the book club earlier, which I just thought was great, about grocery shopping. Yes, we need groceries. <laughs> But it doesn't mean anymore, especially now since we have, you know, delivery at our at our fingertips. It doesn't mean that we have to spend an hour to an hour and a half doing that. It, with with it's it's not that we can go online and and click 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 and store our list and get the things that we get over and over again. We can have it done in fifteen minutes. That that brings back an hour of time for people to enjoy with their spouse, enjoy with their loved ones, and and time is the most precious thing that we that we have. So. I just believe that you better use it really, really wisely. I have to say a a piece of your book here, Beth, and I just kind of giggled when I read it. And it was on page 144. uh, It was in the chapter, I'm perfect and you're not. And you were having breakfast at a local restaurant with your husband and you were reading the book, The No A-Ho Rule, right? And uh, there's a quiz. And you said, I took the quiz in my head and I smiled as I lowered the book. My husband sat across the table engrossed in reading something in his iPad. I excitedly said to him, honey, I just took the a-hole quiz in this book, and guess what? I'm not an a-hole. My husband looked up from his iPad, looked me directly in the eye, and said, keep reading. (laughs) You said, while I look back and laugh at this incident now, I remember being slightly shocked and hurt at the same time. How did that really feel? 
Well, you have to understand, my husband is a, a chief human resources officer, so uh, he is in the business of, uh, of identifying and developing talent, so he's actually served as a mentor to me as well as a partner in, in, in life. Um, and I remember being a little taken, a little taken aback, and that is very much a true story. I still picture it in my, in my mind. Um, but the one thing I have always been really um, appreciative of is I have had people in my life that have been very honest with me. Uh, it things that I've done well and things that I have not done well. And um, as, as direct as he was, and he's usually uh, very, you know, very nice and very, very sweet. And he was very gentle when he said that to me, even though he was direct. But I know when he says something to me, he 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 loves me. He wants me to be successful. He's proud of my successes, and so I really took it. I really took it to heart, and um, I was thankful for it. And I've been thankful for all those people over the years who have been brave enough and kind enough, and quite frankly, cared enough about me to be honest when they thought that there was um, some significant opportunity for improvement. And quite frankly, I think if more leaders would do that for for the people that they that they lead, I think we would. I think we would have better performing teams. And the reason I picked that um, excerpt was because I could relate. I, I think we could all relate because they're going to tell us, um, you know, they're they're going to they're going to share their heart in the sweetest way they can, whether it's by comedy or, or whatever that looks like. We can call it constructive criticism because we know they will be honest. And so I really appreciated that you were open about that and that uh, I saw the a, a good comedy. Uh, it was comical. It was just it just made me laugh, made me giggle, and our our group here is, was giggling when I read it. So, so thank you for sharing that. You're welcome, mm. uh, Beth. I'm really curious about um, how you are able to do the work that you're you're doing, and be able to be here now. Uh, one of the the key aspects to our our company culture is that we're here, we're present, and um, we're really taking in the work. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, how do you, how are you here now? And then when do you choose to um, have more than one activity at a time? Sure. Um, when I'm le- meeting with my direct team um, and, and folks on the edge that I'm working with, I really take, um, make a concerted effort to be here now. We have leadership meetings on Monday afternoons and on Friday mornings. And during those meetings, we bring our issues to the table and we work through them um, really quickly. We have good debates. And so you can't be sitting on your your um, email trying to, trying to get things done. And what I find is when you actually take the opportunity to be present, I believe you make better decisions because you're listening and you're probing and asking the right questions and you're really fully engaged. I think you're more productive. Because if you can have a dialogue oftentimes, it is much easier than sending a bunch of emails back and forth that typically result in miscommunication and just a lot of extra work. So I really see being here now as a good leadership trait, but also a really good productivity, uh, really good productivity tool. You know, I talk about digital detox in, in the book, and what I found is when we moved to digital detox, Part of that, I was leaving a lot of things to the weekend to get done. So I say, oh, I'll get down on the weekend, get done on the weekend. But then when we had made a commitment as a leadership team in the group and specialty uh, segment to, to adhere to digital detox, I said, wow, well, I've got to get my work done during the week because what I'm not going to do is store up all these emails so when somebody comes in on Monday morning, they're going to have 80, 80 
emails because that just is really defeating the purpose. So I started really um, that practice. Didn't, didn't really think of it as be here now until I went to the uh, Jen Delaney stuff, but really said, okay, how do I get more productive during the week so I could, so I could get it done? So that was the premise for really kind of easing me into that. And then when the Jen Delaney work came, it was um, – it was just serendipitous that that was that was um, something that we had started practicing in our in our segment. Uh, what I would talk about in terms of multi multitasking is, look, what I will try to do is, you know, for example, when we're in meet week as, as the management team, sure, you know, we 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 will go into emails and answer emails if there's something if there's something going on. We have our laptops up, but we really do try to listen to the presenter. So I may have my laptop up, but I'll. I, I color code my emails, so sort of like if something's coming from somebody important, well, then I might have to jump into it and do it. But guess what? Most of the people that, that have urgent needs are sitting around the table with me. And so one of the things that I do is when we're changing up the presentation, the one group leaves, another one comes in, well, they usually have five or ten minutes where you can very quickly do a couple emails. I try to end my, um, my meetings at do them at 25 minutes instead of 30 minutes or 50 minutes try to to try to um, find that space in there so I don't have to multitask. But I did share with the um, the book group earlier, there are times when I will do what I like to call two first. Um, I like to I, I like to uh, have phone conversations with uh, with family and friends, for example, when I'm doing something else. And the other thing that I'm doing is going to be something really that's very mindless, so I can still really make sure that I am um, really listening to the person. I do one of the examples I gave earlier was work related, but I do this with my friends and family a lot. I'll go for a walk and be on the phone, and that way I'm getting some exercise, but I'm really not distracted, and then I can really listen to what that person's saying and really have an engaging, engaging conversation. Because when you're walking, you know, other than putting you know one foot in front of the other. You can really focus on what's being said. What's being said on the phone. You're not drawn to, oh, let me go check Facebook or let me check this and let me check that. No, you can really have a great conversation and then get some exercise at the same time. And I'm I live in Florida, so I'm just waiting for a little bit cooler weather and then I'm I'm back at that practice. I like that one a lot. Um, but right now it's way too hot. So one of the things that really resonated with me was. Um, a statement that you made saying no requires bravery Um, and that that one really touched me because I think women are more likely to be yesers yes 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 and a lot of like my self-worth was kind of built up in my yes and I realized that I needed to separate those pieces and start to be brave about saying no Um, what do you what do you think the reasons are that that women tend to say yes to so many things and that's why is saying no sometimes so difficult um i think that's, that's a great question i think there are a couple couple reasons um sometimes they hear heads, and um a lot of us were still raised with um uh, sort of very traditional values saying you know Look, even if you go out to work, that's great, but you know what? You really have to take care of your family. And, and we saw our mother's really doing it all. I remember my mother used to iron sheets. Um, and it was like, wow, right? I'm never going to do that when I grow, grow, grow up. But I think they really took so much on, and it was such an expectation. But I think some of that stuff was really passed down, passed down to us. And so sometimes I think it's really hard to get that voice out of our out of our head. 
But saying no, I think, is so difficult, especially to friends and family, because you really do care about them. I'm going to give you a real-life example, and um, I hope people take this the same way. You heard me say I have a sister with special needs. Um, she's the oldest child in our family. I love her dearly. She's in Pittsburgh. Um, but she has a trait. And when I talk to her, I talk to her probably once a week, at, at most, or at least would be every other weekend. We FaceTime. But what she will often do is, um, after we have our call, she'll FaceTime me back a half hour later or the next three nights in a row. And um, I, I don't pick up. And the reason that I don't pick up is because I have the same relationship with my special needs sister as I do with my other sister, and we usually talk once a week. And I know that this is just a habit for her, that she's not going to tell me anything new. There's nothing wrong, because if there was anything wrong, the group home would call me, and she's just bored. And so what I've done is I've had a conversation with the group home and said, listen, here's the deal. Cassie and I will talk probably once a week, and we will FaceTime. But what I would like you to try to do is really redirect her because she's just bored when she's calling me back and she's just repeating the same stuff. And quite frankly, I treat her the same way that I treat my other sister. My other sister treats me. We don't see her any different because she has special needs. And as a family, we talk, we talk once a week. That's really hard because I love my sister dearly. But I also have to set parameters because when because she's hard of hearing and because she has a speech impediment, I have to be very present when I talk to her, and there is no way that I can afford to take a half hour, 45 minutes, or an hour every night in the, of, of the week and have the same conversation with her over and over. So that's an example where that's a really hard decision, but I know that it's not to her detriment. In fact, it, it, it actually helps her because the group home can then redirect her and say, hey, Teresa, let's work on your ceramics or... Um, let's go. Let's go uh, walk. Walk the dog, or let's do. Let's do something like that. But that's that's that was sort of a hard decision. But then I said, no. You know what? This is this is the way that my sister and I are. We treat each other like we're like we're normal sisters. And and I just can't take that time out. Nor would I do that with my other sister who's special needs. I would never talk to her every night every night of the week. So again, it's a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's, I hope people understand what, what I'm doing there, but it's, it's, uh, it's, you have to say no sometimes, even to the people that, that you love, love most. And I can tell you that my sister Teresa is thriving. In fact, it's funny because oftentimes I call her and she's too busy to talk to me because she has so many activities. Well, and it makes you think, too, how many decisions do we make based on what our feelings are? So it wasn't that you were making a decision to the, like like you said, to the detriment of your sister. Your sister's fine. It was you coming to terms with, you know, wh- what what's appropriate, what, ma- what makes sense, what's best for her, what's best for me. And a lot of times I will go automatically to, like, this place of guilt. And that's what, like, allows me to, or moves me into making a decision that maybe I don't want to make. And I don't I don't want to be held back by that. I want to kind of think clearer and, and really look at all sides of the coin, which is what I'm hearing in this story. So I appreciate you sharing that. Exactly. The add-on is that from this book, it empowered me to say no to some, actually three things. Uh, just recently, after reading the book, I... I'm a yes person, and as I shared earlier in the book club, uh, that because I am passionate about so many things, I'm curious, I want to learn, I have the desire, 
um, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to say no. And my yes is sometime it, it I, I try to um, not say yes to the whole project, but maybe to a portion of it. And because of reading this book, I chose to uh, eliminate some of those items because I want to grow myself. I want to develop myself. So instead, of, when I put on my calendar goals uh, for an hour, I want that goals to be me um, looking at a YouTube video, listening to a podcast, reading um, some of the Skillsoft information that our corporation, Humana, uh, allows us to have instead of goals being supplemented with, I've got to finish that stretch assignment I was given and I've got to do this and I don't have time to, to do my goals. So so Beth and, any, and if for our listeners, there are so many great tidbits here and it will empower you to maybe eliminate some of those extra, whether you're doing it at home and you shouldn't be on that extra board um, at your ch- children's school or the team mom or the team helper to the mom, Whatever that looks like, it could be that you just say no. Exactly right. And I mentioned this earlier in the book club, but I, this book taught me so much about delegation because I know is a complete sentence. I understand that. But getting rid of the guilt associated with that, I can now start delegating out or forming these compromises. And in your book, you use the example of, you know, not wanting your whole night to be tied up. So, you know, dinner and drinks, well, you would just go to the mixer beforehand and then you would go have, you know, eat dinner with your family or something like that. So it was a compromise. You're still getting in that FaceTime. You're still doing that networking career side of it. So I feel like this book has just been like a master tip in delegation for me personally so that I can let myself off the hook to realize I'm doing things to benefit myself, but it's okay not to fully give in to um, saying yes to this and that. So I I really appreciated all these really solid examples of ways to make it work, um, you know, as a professional businesswoman. Great. And I I think another piece was leaning in, which we all are probably familiar with that term, requires leaning out somewhere else. And so when we think about delegation, and as Carmen said, what are you going to say no to? I think that was extremely empowering for me because I didn't want to be on the the PTA board. And I did it (laughs) out of guilt. And when I got some permission from this book to say, I'm going to... I'm going to step out of the PTA and lean in somewhere else. And I I am going to lean into like a local pregnancy center. Man, I am so excited about leaning into that project and so relieved I don't have to go sit on that (laughs) PTA board. They know they've got my support. And like you mentioned that in the book, too, you know, you can still contribute in other ways that maybe doesn't require your presence. It's just so I think deep down we know these things. It was just so nice to read them and hear them (laughs) and I, I hate to say permission space, but just give another angle maybe um, and a different way to do that. Well, I love the fact that, you know, you really leaned in to something you were passionate about. And I think that that helps give us energy and that helps give us fuel so that we can then bring our A-game to work because we're really doing something that is, is that we're really, really passionate about. And then that energy just carries through the rest of your life. Exactly. You are listening to This Humana Life with co-hosts Tara DeLucia, Carmen Pantoja Evans, Brittany LaMare, and our special guest. Be sure to text THL to 
to have new episodes sent straight to your mobile or share with us on Yammer at go slash THL. And Beth, I just, I, there's so many jewels in this book, so I, I'm hoping that many others at Humana will pick it up and, you know, see a, a bit of your, your approach or your methodology to this. You know, a lot of times when we're working, we do plan. We plan for meetings and we have agendas and we have goals for those sessions. So important. A lot of us, like me, aren't really great about pre-planning our personal life, like making sure that that time is there, those meaningful moments for our return on our meeting. So can you tell, tell us a story that you may have had about how you pre-plan things that are meaningful, whether that's around your date night with your husband or around Christmas cards. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I, I think people would really get, get a lot out of those examples. Sure. Um, my husband teases me because I'm a list maker, right? So even on Saturdays, he'll say it's Saturday. We don't have to have a list, right? Um, but I like to make sure that I can get up and get my things out of way, out of the way, so that we actually can go for a walk. We usually like to take um, walks at about an hour and a half, and we sort of call it a debrief session because we're reconnecting. We haven't seen each other all week, and it just it just really gives me opportunity. I just love to hear my husband. Um, talk about concepts and 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 business ideas. I like to bounce things off of him. But you know, one of the things that I do is say, okay, I really want to carve out time to do that on you know, Saturday and Sunday, as an example. If I'm not if I'm not home all week, and that's that's when I, I literally write it down in my to do list, which sounds maybe a, a little rigid, but I know that if I have my to do list, it gets done. Because I like to get things done. Well, I like to mark things off that list. If I want to maybe make something special, I love to bake, as an example, or I love and I love to cook. If I want to make a special um, meal for him or something like that, I make sure that I get that on my on my list so that I can accomplish that. So for me, it it, it does sound a little bit rigid, but if I write it down, I know it. I know that it's going to get done, and so I put that time into my into my schedule. Um, so that I know that, that we can spend that quality time uh, together. And I just think that that's important. The other thing that I do is, let's say um, let's say I get home on a, thurs, uh, on a Thursday and it, maybe I get home at 5 or, or something like that. And I know that I have more work to do. One of the things I also do is make sure that um, after, after dinner, um, regardless of who makes it, sometimes he makes it, sometimes I make it, I actually move from my office into the family room with him. And, you know, we'll have the TV on the background. And I may be doing some emails and doing work and catching up, but I'm there with him. And if I, if I see something that's funny, I read something that's funny, or we see something on the TV, we can have that connection and have that quick discussion. So that's just another example of literally physically saying, look, I know I have more to do, but I'm going to get closer to you here by coming into the family room and we'll sit together and, 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 and while I get through this. So it just, it's just those little things that will bring a little bit more um, connection between the two of us. But I really do try to, try to plan things. I plan when, for example, I go to see my father-in-law every weekend when I'm home, and I put that on my list because it's really important for me to see him, and that way it gets done. I put down, I call him during the week when I'm traveling, so I put that down on my list to make sure. Because sometimes when you're traveling, you have a dinner or whatever, you forget. But it's really important to me that I connect with him at least once during the week. 
keep these little to-do lists and it even includes, you know, touching base with family and friends. And my sister, as, as an example, I'll say, okay, tonight's my night to call Teresa. So that's how I, I try to keep things um, organized by making them part of my, part of my plan. A couple questions. One is, what did you edit out of the book? Chose to edit out of the book? And secondly, where do we get the book? That's a great question. Um, I don't know that I really edited much out. I, I tried to be as authentic as possible. Um, I think, you know, I've been really transparent about some failures. We talked about... Um, one when my husband talked to me about, yeah, take the, keep reading the book. But you know, earlier in the book club, when I was talking with, with you ladies, we talked about how I had one of my leaders say, you know, no, I don't see you as strategic. I see you as a, as a, as a, project, as a project manager. Um, so I really tried to be very, very authentic. So I can't really think of anything that um, I left out because I, I'm not embarrassed by my failures. I, I'd only be embarrassed by my failures if I didn't learn from them, and I feel like I've learned from them. You can get the book on Amazon. You can uh, download it for, I think it's four ninety nine to download, and then I have a paperback edition for, I think, eight ninety nine. dollars So um, it's only on Amazon right now. Um, and I am considering I discuss some information because a friend of mine's um, wife works at Audible, and so I'm going to look into whether or not I can do an audible recording as, as well. I think that that would be a lot of a lot of fun. So I'm looking into that next. But it is available on Amazon. So if you have Amazon Prime, it'll be there in no time. And if you download it to your Kindle app, it's there over. It's there in ten seconds. <laughs> Yeah, like here's, again, I said this earlier too, here's my plug for using your Go365 books because I bought an, or used an Amazon gift card to buy the book. It was at my door in two days. So it was really, really awesome. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was free to me for going and, and walking and being a human associate. Um, so on the flip side of that, since you've uh, published the book, is there anything or a chapter you uh, think you would like to add or... Any other tidbits that you've stumbled on that you would like to bring into the book? Um, that's a great that's a that's a great question. Um, probably, um, maybe probably a little bit more around um, to help people. I think who who travel quite extensively. I, I did address that a little bit. But that's really hard on relationships, and I've been commuting for 18 years, um, and I think um, a lot more people are doing are doing that as people can work remote. One spouse, you know, you maybe move for one spouse's job, um, and and then the other one is 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 commuting. And I think that um, maybe a little bit more around that. And then actually, one of you folks. Um, talked a little bit this morning about the conversation you, you had with your, your spouse. I think maybe bringing a little bit more of how important it is to really have those conversations with your loved ones so that they can understand, you know, what you're doing and it doesn't come off as just, hey, wait a minute, you know, we're like, we're the best head today. Uh, let me give you an example. This time when I joined Weight Watchers a few uh, years back, I made a conscious effort because I did blurt it out to all my associates. That I was going to join Weight Watchers um, after being prompted by a lovely associate, Sarah Newkirk, who probably saved my life because now I've lost less the weight. But um, 
sharing that with people as to what I was doing and why it was important to me, I mean, just so many people rallied around me. And so when I think of the tips and the things try to be, I'm trying to bring to bear in the book, I think having conversations with your loved ones around this. So, you know, many people will go and visit their parents, have dinner with their parents on Sundays or or something like that, and, and, and sitting there saying, look, Mom, Dad, I love you, and I want to be with you, but I, I can't do this every Sunday because I'm going to use this time every other Sunday to do X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, conversely, you say, that's really, wait, that's really important family time, and that's really what I really want to do, what I want to do. So that's when you have a conversation, you know, with your spouse or with your kids and say, you know, it's really important to us to spend time with grandma and, and granddad. Therefore, I really think we need to pull some other things off of our plate that we're doing. So I think maybe a little bit more on the communication because I had just found personally with my weight loss journey that when I brought people into the loop, they just, they rally around you and they support you and they even give you more ideas and more prompting. So I appreciated hearing that earlier in, in, in the book club discussion. And I just think that that's a really important takeaway. And to me, that's all about setting expectations as well. That way people kind of know what they're going to get and it seems small, but I think it's really powerful because you're also telling them this is what you can expect to get from me. And, and working through that, especially in, in relationships when you're trying to figure out time and schedules and being one of those people that, that I do have to do that with my spouse that travels constantly. So I, re- I really appreciated that and appreciated those tips that were in there. Have you considered creating a discussion group uh, workbook of sorts, you know, where chapter one you meet, just a discussion group going forward for folks like us that uh, can really chomp into each chapter in detail and maybe maybe be um, helpful to some of us that are have grown children we can share our based on what we've learned from you that oh yes that did work or or maybe you can use this or or just it it's just thought-provoking have you considered doing some type of discussion workbook you know that's a great idea I have um I have decided that I do want to um, I have a website my spouse has been great he's been working on it for me uh, and I have decided that I want to be able to continue publishing content and having that information out there and so I did not think specifically about the discussion guide I hadn't thought about that far through so that's a great idea but I do think there is just so many more opportunities and more tips out there to share that I just want to keep it going and and would love to to engage others in in a discussion so um, as I start to think about it, as, as you folks know, I've announced my um, retirement at the end of the year. And as my time starts to free up, I will be dedicating much more time to writing and much more time um, around these types of uh, topics, around helping individuals um, determine how to have that work-life, work-life balance. Well, I know we are, we are very sad to hear of your retirement, but then there's a huge piece that's really excited because it sounds like you're going to be able to help a lot of people grow, um, especially women in professionally and personally. So that's actually very exciting. We will miss you. So I hear a, s- a sequel <laughs> in the in the making. Uh, it I am like. working on some other books. I am working on some. I am working on some other books. Um, so I'm working on two things right 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 now. Um, they are not far enough lo- along for me to feel good enough that they will be. I've written quite a bit, 
but um, I, I've been off far enough long for me to say, boy, is this really something I think that could resonate or or not? Um, and uh, both of them are really around, again, helping people um, in their careers at various levels and are a little bit more geared toward the workplace this time, but still bringing in um, some of the interpersonal dynamics that uh, we often miss uh, in the workplace in a very simplified way. I'm all about simple, and I'm all about really very relatable device, uh, advice. Um, you know, we've had some great women's programs at Humana, and I remember um, one of the programs I participated in, and one of my um, colleagues said, look, quite frankly, I'm tired of hearing about the soft skills as a woman. I want really good practical Amen. tips how to succeed here. Um, and mm -hmm. so I really try to think that way. And every once in a while when I'm writing, I'm saying, is this, is this too basic? And then I keep going back to those conversations I've had with people who says, give me meat, give me something that's actionable, give me something to take forward. So as I think about additional additional writing, I really want to focus on things that are really very, very tangible as opposed to just just conceptual, just conceptual at least at this point in, in where I am. That is awesome, Beth. It sounds like we have a lot of exciting reading ahead of us. And with that in mind, what what would you say, uh, what would you want to leave some of the women uh, leaders at this organization? Uh, what are what would our action items be as some of the tangible advice that you've given in the book? Sure. So um, action items that I would leave, leave for you as it, works to, as it relates to your work life are uh, a couple things. Uh, number one, you own your career. It's up to you to decide where you want to go. It's up to you to put a plan together. And then um, you work the plan. And you do that in your career just like I did in Weight Watchers or just like we might do with a fitness plan or whatever other plan that we, we, we have. It's really up to you to map out what you want to do and then say, okay, if, if I want to become leader of a segment one day, what skills do I have? What skills do I lack? Where do I think I need to go 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 next? So that would be number one. Um, number two, I would say, um, you know, that intellectual curiosity that you spoke about before, you have to be a lifelong learner. And um, and that isn't just from a work perspective. It's really important from a work perspective, but also just from a personal perspective to be a well-rounded human, human being. I think having that intellectual curiosity about other people, other cultures, other concepts, other industries, other countries, um, I think it's just really important. And I think that in particular at work, I think it makes you a, a well-rounded individual. You know, I shared um, earlier in the week with um, folks I was working to, as I said, early on in my career, it was like, hey, you had to know all the names of all the sports teams and who played on Sunday if you were going to be in the mix and, and, and mix it up with the big boys and things like that. And, you know, what I see now is you better know what's going on in Silicon Valley or what's going on in the business world in general that, hey, that there's a merger between, you know, these two pharmaceutical companies or these two communication companies. And, and so you really have to be a well-rounded individual if you're really going to succeed because particularly at work, when you understand what's going on in other industries, that's where you can actually take some really useful ideas and pull them into our industry, which quite frankly has a tendency to, to lag behind. And when you keep up with emerging um, competitors and startups and things like that, just by reading or listening to podcasts, 
you can start to see what's going to happen in your industry and who might become a disruptor. So intellectual curiosity, I think, is number two. And then I think number three is really take care of yourself. You have to be able to bring your A-game to work. And in order to bring your A-game to work, you have to restore and refuel in the evenings and over the weekend. Um, you know, I, I was at, um, I had the lovely opportunity to be on a pa- panel with, um, I think it was Muriel Hemingway. I always forget which of the Hemingways. I think it was Muriel, who is just a beautiful, beautiful woman and a beautiful human being. I mean, just a lovely, lovely person. And I was on this panel and I said, look, lack of sleep is not a badge of honor. And I think I said that in the book as well. And she said, I'm going to use that. And I said, okay, you can use it. But restoring yourself, I mean, just, and I used to do this, and I used to say, oh, I had to go four hours of sleep last night. That's absolutely silliness now that I look back on that. And that's just doing damage to yourself. So I would really just encourage people to take that time to really restore yourself, getting the appropriate exercise, eating right, taking care of yourself, pampering yourself every once in a while, whether it's something as simple as, as taking a bath and locking the door and keeping the kids out, or it is treating yourself maybe to a facial facial or a massage or a nice long walk with, 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 um, with a loved one. So we, those are the top three things. I think that if you can get those right most of the time, I think that you'll have a, you'll have a great life and you'll be able to weather the storms because we all face adversity, whether it's at work or whether it's in our personal lives, where we all have tragedies that happen within our families and maybe sometimes directly to us. I think if you can really focus on restoring yourself and having that balance and, and, and maintaining that positive outlook, it will really go a long way to help you through the tough times, whether at work or whether personally. And on that note, that was a fantastic in to kind of su- to sum up the whole book to restore me fuel i like that and um the lack of sleep is not a badge of honor i mean that is some fantastic takeaways and so beth we're going to begin to close or we're going to close the uh, conversation we we really really thank you for sharing your time your valuable time with us to share about your book we thank Julie Kling for uh, bringing us all together and being able to bring you in and to the conversation and uh, just to spread the news to get the book Busy Bee Queen Bee Stop the Busy Work and Start Leading the Hive by writer Elizabeth Bierbauer but we know her as Beth Bierbauer. Beth is there anything any final words? I just want to say, I just think um, the, uh, all of you folks and you women at Humana are just fantastic folks. You're rock stars. Just just know that you can do anything that you set your mind to. And it was totally my pleasure today to spend time with you. And I really thank you very much. And I'll miss all of you very, very much. Oh. Well, thank you, Beth. Thank you. We'll miss you. Thanks, Beth. And that's it for this episode. You can share with us on buzz at go forward slash THL. And don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to 239-355. We want to thank you for spending time with us this week. We can use our guiding behaviors and speak up with candor to share our Humana stories through this podcast. Let's keep the conversation going together about this Humana life. Until next time, be intentional. Stay curious. And inspire others.